Or should we do the talk about the cold open and the cold open to be? A I very, think we like, should do meta. the talk. Yeah, that's super meta. Um... Welcome to episode number three of the J-Term. I'm Nathan, here with my co-host, Tej, sometimes known as Tiggy. Never and known we're... as Tiggy. Oh, oh, yeah, well, that's up for debate. So this is an uh, extended cut in our January term with Daryl Tucker. Tej, we were really excited to talk to Daryl um, for season two, and this episode really, or the interview, went on for a pretty long time, and uh, we thought it was a great, we thought it would be a great January term. Uh, what were you really excited about in this extended cut? You know, Daryl, I, I knew Daryl would be a fantastic person to interview. And, you know, our listeners don't know this, but we had to reschedule, I think, 19 times. And I, <laughs> I, I, I kept Funny. saying to Nathan, I kept saying to Nathan, it's worth it. It's worth it, I promise. Um, and the conversation was even so much more helpful than than I had anticipated I really enjoyed hearing about how Daryl found a connection with um, an admissions counselor who I, I, I know I know our listeners don't know who we're talking about, and that's okay. But it is the most unlikely pairing you could imagine. I, I was sh- shocked to hear that what he was saying <laughs> as he was saying it. Right. Um, right. But it was it was so helpful, and I really liked him expanding on how when he was a new coach. Um, you know, he used to think, I don't have time to develop a relationship with the admissions counselors. I'm going to go straight to the director and how he's kind of evolved on that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then lastly, if I can say one more thing, just personally, just personally, I was so thrilled to see him evolve beyond the point of just blaming me for for, <laughs> for issues between admissions and athletics, you know. But, you know, Daryl and I, we, we would work side by side for a couple years there and mm-hmm. You know the work; it get it gets so intense, and sometimes that crosses over. And um, you know, when you when you're both really passionate about the work that you're doing, sometimes it comes out that way. But it was I was just thrilled to to have the the time with Daryl. Yeah. Nathan, what did you like about the interview? I think the other thing he talked about that I really enjoyed was how he and, and he left the institutional priorities um, kind of come up as a priority with with his recruitment. And he was in communication with the admissions department and he realized that um, they had to recruit people that would be a good match for the institution. And that was the primary goal, at least, um, to help save the recruitment efforts at that particular institution. I, I want to say it was in Vermont. Um, and that that was driving the efforts and they needed numbers, not necessarily winning teams. Um, they all, of course, wanted to win, but um, I thought that was really interesting how they integrated he was able to integrate that with the overall recruitment strategy of the college he was working at and willing to sacrifice maybe something like his own winning and mm-hmm. um, some things that he was in control of as an athletic coach. But um, but he knew that that was the right thing to do for the for the university. So, I, yeah, I thought that was great. And um, again, I, I thought it was. 
I, I, I really enjoyed listening back to hear him talk about that relationship with your particular admissions counselor and then the, what you told me kind of offline about that relationship. And it's just fascinating. So it, it's fascinating. If I can add one more thing during yep. the, the longer um, episode that we released in the fall about teaming with athletics, the, the other guest uh, was Dan Tudor, who talked about the, the, the tension between admissions and athletics is sometimes gambling the future of the institution. Do you remember that? Yep, I do. Yeah. And, and I would hold on to that thought as kind of, and I would hold on to that. <laughs> nope, that you're going to keep that in. That was the ice cream falling out of the bowl, I think. And I would hold on to that thought as you listen to Daryl talk about that, that previous institution where he was recruiting um, less for a winning team and more for filling the roster. Uh, the institution he was at has, has since closed. Um, I, I spent a week at that institution before they, they closed. And it, it really, it, it shakes you up when, when you, when you feel somewhat connected to an institution that closes. And I think Dan is right. When there's a disconnect between admissions and athletics, for some colleges, it is putting the whole enterprise at risk. And when I listen back to this longer episode or this longer interview with Daryl, that's what I'm holding on to. Right, right. It's a lesson for all of us. All right, that's enough preamble opening banter here. You need to go back to your bowl of ice cream, get that spoon up off the floor. So uh, here, I hope everybody enjoys this extended cut with Daryl Tucker. And as always, we'll see you on the other side. Well, Nathan, I am really looking forward to this next conversation uh, to talk about teaming with athletics. We have with us a, a former colleague of mine, Daryl Tucker, the head women's basketball coach at Northland College up in Ashland, uh, Wisconsin. Daryl, welcome to the LunchCast. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm very excited to be on the show today. Yeah, great. Well, Daryl, for the benefit of folks who are listening who maybe don't know you yet, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you found yourself in your current role? Uh, well, I started a route what was completely just coaching uh, basketball. I was a Division One coach, uh, and I've coached Division One, Division Two, NEIA, and I also coached junior college. Um, and I had did a little bit of um, administration. As I continued to go through this pathway, I started realizing I love teaching. And so I now coach and I teach as well. That's great. Excellent. Thank you. Well, if you don't mind, we'll just dive right into it. Uh, the first question I'm really excited to, to ask you about, um, it's something that you and I have talked about in the past, actually. So for the benefit of our listeners, Daryl, from your perspective, what do you think admissions counselors can learn from the approaches coaches take to recruiting students? Well, you know, I come from a little background from what my dad is. He's um, he's in sales. He's always been in some very uh, form of uh, sales uh, type of job um, ever since I was little. And he always told me, he said, if you know how to sell, you always have a job. So <laughs> I kind of <laughs> took that approach <laughs> to uh, coaching and recruiting. And one thing I've learned is every, every school have, is always a different situation. So what you've learned at one uh, institution in regards to recruiting, you, that doesn't necessarily translate to the other school. 
means that you're going to have success. The only thing that is very guaranteed is that uh, success will come is that you're open to learn. You're able to change uh, to the to the, the particular school that you have and you have to find that particular niche and have that that desire and that work ethic. I think that's about the only thing that is consistent no matter where you go. So I think being able to adapt to the uh, present um, institution that you're currently working at for you to uh, be successful. And that's the approach I take in regards to recruiting students. Daryl, do you mind unpacking that a little bit more? I know the institution you came from most recently before coming to Northland, some people would say it's very similar. Can you talk about, maybe think of an example of something you had to adjust recruiting from there versus where you're at now? Um, absolutely. I think that one of the things was uh, when I, uh, one of my, uh, the, the job previous to where I'm, I'm at now, uh, one of the big things was we were struggling uh, mightily to rec uh, recruit in the state of um, Vermont. And so in order to be able to be uh, a little bit more successful and be able to increase our enrollment, the school kind of put it on us to start recruiting locally, which that presented a issue in itself because it, it was the one state, one of the few states in, uh, that had a declining population. So people were leaving and kids that were presently in uh, in the state was uh, was not choosing to go to our school. So what we did was uh, we focused on, we found out they had a sustainability niche uh, that they had for, for our programming and forestry. And so with that happening, we went pretty heavy in that and surprisingly we found the number of kids that uh, was interested in that program. It wasn't very good uh, players, but <laughs> 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 I think the objective at that time wasn't really winning. It was about filling rosters. So I could take that as a win. <laughs> and so uh, that provided uh, a different avenue for us to, to go about. And so it was very different. I was no longer looking for just talent now. I was literally combing and reaching out to coaches and figuring out, hey, what is your uh, kids' pathways? So going from recruiting kids based on talent, now I had to focus on recruiting in-state kids based on their, um, their academic interests. And that was pretty hard for me as a coach because you know we all wanna win and we all wanna get the best player. But unfortunately, we was in more of a situation where we was about filling rosters and getting kids that were in state. I find that fascinating. That story is really interesting to me, especially since the shift was filling to sh the shift was to filling rosters. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, there, there must've been something the, the crew or the staff you had there at that school uh, must've had a, a really strong track record in recruiting that the, shift was made or the pur the purpose was made to, to have you help <laughs> the admissions efforts in recruiting students. And it wasn't necessarily just to find, like you said, the top talent. Um, do you think there's anything, and maybe this kind of leads round to back right to TJ's initial question. Do you think there's anything there that maybe coaches do differently than what admissions counselors did? Because they must have had some faith in you as a coaching staff. They knew you could um, you could execute and that you could produce results, right? Right. I think that, you know, 
when it comes to, you know, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think, you know, when I, I look at coaches, we kind of, we deal with a, another subgroup of missions counselors. You're kind of going anywhere and everywhere. And mm-hmm. as coaches, we're focusing on a subgroup, people that like to play sports. And so that in itself is already putting us in a niche. Um, and as we put ourselves in that niche, it makes things a little bit hot, um, harder. Uh, but I think that uh, a lot of things about it was being able to be approachable to those uh, coaches and understanding that, um, and I've learned this from Teach because I've seen he's a pro at this. When things are tough, you got to be able to find a way to, to make people laugh and be, be very hospitable. Even though you know you might going in, you might be going into the, the dragon's den. <laughs> Find a way <laughs> to right. be able to be approachable and have people understand what's going on and why this is uh, for the betterment of you. And so that was the approach that I took with that college. Is I knew, hey, you know, we're you know we're not that on the top of your list, but this is what we can do to make things. Uh, a great experience for you. And so we got kids to stop looking at the name of the school and start focusing on, man, can I build a relationship with this person for four years? And can this person be in my life for the rest of their life? And so that was the approach I went. I went to, hey, yeah, we might not have the name, but I'm somebody that is going to be in your life uh, for the rest of your life, or at least to the day I die. <laughs> and so that, that was the approach I took when recruiting students. Well, and I think, again, this, yeah, this comes back to relationships, right? And I think right. that's a niche or something that a coach or um, I've done a lot in my background with music recruitment and fine arts recruitment. Right. And I say the same things, you know, that studio teacher, or that band director, or orchestra director, they're with that student all four years. They're not just teaching one biology class and that's it. You know, there really is a relationship there. Yeah. And the student has to figure out if it's going to if it's going to match. And right. if it doesn't, at least you found that out during the recruitment process instead of once you get there and then you're into a transfer situation and nobody's happy on either side. So right. I think that's a really I think that's a really good point for you to bring up. Um, let me piggyback on the comment you made about Tej, and uh, I, I, you know, I, I kind of cringe that you actually give him some credit here because I don't. Think <laughs> often in this podcast. Um, but you know, we'll cut this part out uh, for sure. That'll be cut out. Um, but anyway, uh, it kind of leads me to my next question, and I think uh, you had a good, you have a good relationship with Tej, and obviously that's continuing past. You know, Tej is no longer at Northland, right. um, but. Can you talk to our listeners a little bit? And our listeners are predominantly admissions directors, you know, folks that are sitting in that director role. Tell us a little bit about how you interact as a coach that's responsible for recruitment, um, you know, territory recruitment area that you have to that you have to go after as far as a team is concerned. How do you interact with an admissions director versus an admissions counselor, if that makes sense? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I got to make sure I don't get myself in trouble. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just the three of us chatting. I feel like, you know, the younger version of me, you know, I've grown a little bit, but I think the younger version of me was, you know what? I don't have time to build a relationship to the counselor. I'm going to go straight to the director, you know, right. and I feel like you get immediate results. That's so at least that's what I thought. And um, then I started realizing, you know, 
okay, I should start building relationships with admissions counselors. Unfortunately, that took time understanding that pathway because admissions counselors knew, I'm pretty sure they cringed by the time February and uh, March hit because I probably wouldn't hear from me at all, but rarely. But then once February, March, I was always in their ear, always dropping a message, always stopping by. I and can I think, confirm that. that <laughs> <laughs> so they would not see me at all, except for those two months. And I'm pretty sure in their head, they're like, oh my gosh, Friday's, uh, February's coming up. He's not, we're not going to, we can't get him out of our, uh, get out, get him out of our voicemails. But um, <laughs> I, I start now realizing that you got to build a relationship. And so, you know, we got a lot of kids from Texas and uh, we had an admissions counselor uh, here. Uh, she's um, she's leaving, but she was pretty awesome. We built a really strong relationship and I could lean on her so much that, uh, you know, it showed how much trust I had faith and I had with them because even when Tish had to leave, she was my go to person and and she helped a lot with bringing a lot of kids up here. So I think that I would say that when it comes to it, I'm now starting to learn not to go to the, the director. And the goal is to uh, now really put a lot more emphasis on uh, working with the admissions counselors. I, I don't know why it took me so long to figure that out and not treat them as if you work for me, but <laughs> treat them as, hey, we're in this together. So it's right. still a learning process. I, I, I've had one or two that I absolutely loved. And we had a very good relationship. Now my goal is to continue to do that and work on that. Mm -hmm. Great advice. That's that's fantastic. Daryl, this is my last question for you. Yep. Um, and it's the same question I asked our previous guest. Too often, there's a disconnect between admissions and athletics. Why do you think that is? Oof. I think that at the end of the day, You have, I think, man, that is so hard to unpack. I think that, you know, as a coach, I, I speak from a coaching perspective. We all want to win, right? Uh, they can say whatever they want to say. I think if a coach ain't saying it, they're lying. We all want to win. So uh, we want to be able to bring the best talent we can bring here. And even if we have a kid that grades – aren't the best or where they should be, or let's say they're right on the threshold, but if they have a compelling story, we feel like, oh, because it is a compelling story and also they can play, we should let them into our school. And so, you know, yes, as a coach, that makes sense. But as a missions counselor, I'm starting to understand you got to bring the best, you know, the, the best student uh, that you can bring that meets the needs of the school. And sometimes those needs doesn't meet with, um, athletics so i think that it's always this 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 thought that athletics has their people admission has theirs and so uh we're all trying to do what's best for ourselves. and so sometimes when something doesn't go well you know as coaches we refer it back to recruiting because we're not getting the best players well guess what what's the easiest target to come into that that that's um that 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 bullseye and it's at um, emissions. So I think that's why you have that disconnect sometime. And do I think it's right? No, it's not. You know, yeah. I, I feel that, you know, once again, 
I, I, I wish Tidge is probably like, man, I wish I had this Daryl when I was here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say when you said admissions, you meant Tidge. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, so often, Daryl, I think um, folks on campus who are not in either admissions or athletics, for shorthand, they say, you all got the same goals, right? You're, you're trying to recruit students here. And <laughs> that's true at the highest level. We're trying to recruit a, like a, a class, a comprehensive class. Yes. And coaches are looking for a pitcher. This yes. one right here. Yes. So the, you know, the discounting strategy or the recruitment efforts might not bring us to Pennsylvania where that pitcher is or, or whatever the case is. Um, I, I think it, the, the interests are different enough that it, it can create tension that often confuses folks who aren't absolutely. in our worlds. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And like you said, we're, you know, we're all wanting to be successful. It's just like you said, you know, best, you know, when you say you're looking for a pitcher, you know, for a baseball program, for me, I'm looking for a six-three host yeah. player. You know, and, you know, do I care if they, you know, if you know, if, if if they're not interested in a certain major that might be a little bit more beneficial? You know, absolutely not. But I think when it's all said and done, and you start to mature, I think you start realizing that you know, yeah, we might not be in the same. You know, we have the same goals in the sense far as our departments, but we do have that we want to bring a student that is committed to the, the school's um, mission and uh, what, you know, the, the typ typical degrees that they have. So, yeah, you know, so it's a work in progress. <laughs> I think I could you should go back to what you said earlier about um, that you have. Uh, I think if you have athletics as part of your overall recruitment strategy, and if you at least are all recruiting the students that meet the mission or somehow meet the profile, then there's other ways that the athletic team can can maybe meet some of the enrollment manager's other goals, right? Like you mentioned that you have a right. lot of students from Texas um, that are coming up to Northland College, which is, you know, I've heard from T just literally at the top of the world. Um, so the yeah. fact that, they're, <laughs> that they're coming all the way up there, I don't see... I don't see how you would have another pipeline to a small, very small private uh, environmental school in the snow um, other than athletics. Right. And so right. especially with the with the size of the class, for example, I'm familiar with what teacher was doing at Northland. It's a small class. You get three or four uh, female athletes on your team. That really helps out that geographic diversity. Um, it might help out ethnic diversity. It could help out socioeconomic diversity because you could provide yeah. uh, maybe not a Northland because you're not Division One, but if you're an NAI school and you had some dollars you could work with, whatever it is. Yeah, I think the successful enrollment managers do work directly with the athlete, and as long yeah. as the the coaches understand what the other institutional priorities are yep. and they can help out and they can see that the one thing that I've really learned from athletic recruitment is they, they are on the ground more than anybody, but mm -hmm. you have to arm those coaches with the information. Otherwise they're just flying blind in the dark. Right. Yeah. We, you know, we sat there and I think too, I also a, and now I'm throwing a little secret out here for, you know, it's only us three, you know. Yeah, it's just us. <laughs> I realized, too, and I study, and it's, it, this goes back to why we are so, right now we have 17 kids on our team. Uh, 
16 out of 17 are from out of state. And um, I would say 13 are from Texas and New Mexico. We don't have one outside of one kid as three hours away. Our average time of how far are they away from home or somewhere around 21, 22 hours. That's all our kids. And so uh, what I found is and what started all this was I just said, you know what, I'm going to find that this goes back to it. You know, I, I'm going to find the admissions counselor I work the most with. And it just so happened that she worked preferably in, and teach know who I'm saying. I can't say her name, <laughs> but um, Texas, New Mexico, Nevada, she worked that area. And so we just stayed working and working. And then all of a sudden it opened that pipeline. Now that pipeline is sustainable, self-sustaining. And now I'm getting kids sent up here and I can kind of pick and choose. So I feel like that was one of the most beneficial things is, is saying, instead of trying to work with all the admissions counselors, who is the one I work with the most, who can also deal with my, you know, my, my February and Marches, <laughs> of, you know, Your insanity, style. getting texts at 9.30 in the morning, at 9.30 at night. Hey, uh, could you text this person for me? And that's what I found. And that's what I think is very important for us at Division three level. And, you know, I'm speaking only for that, too, because Division one and Division two is so much easier, you know, when you got scholarship money. <laughs> so, you know, you can kind of pick and choose the kids you want. And um, but I, I enjoy the Division three experience because it's really had to own my craft and work with and understand how to work with people. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I've, I've primarily recruited or worked at D3 institutions. Uh, my current institution is the first D1. It's NAIA. And so I was a little new to that, understanding that. I think that does bring extra stresses if you're at an institution that maybe doesn't have a national reputation for right. athletics as much, right? And oh, you, right. you mentioned at the top of the interview, you did NAIA. There's there's a little bit more stress and there's a little bit more risk when you are putting scholarship dollars out there on the table. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, and because you don't know that the kid that the student is just going to pick up on that money. You really are putting you feel a lot more responsibility. I've really heard that from some of our coaches and our. Oh, yeah. Director. Right. There's a lot of responsibility out there when you're, you're trying to figure out. Talk about having one pitcher you're trying to go after one pitcher that you put your entire scholarship budget on. <laughs> You know, that that's yeah. what they're trying. You're trying to go out there and make sure that he says yes. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nathan, do you remember a conversation you and I had 13 years ago where you said, and I quote, Teed, you're just not very good at recruiting students out of New Mexico. And now fast forward. And I took those connections to another college, built a little pipeline that Daryl is now mining with his own recruiting efforts. <laughs> Northern Wisconsin. <laughs> I know. I know. One, I think it's all Daryl. Two, I don't remember saying that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, it definitely is all Daryl, but uh it's it's a good reminder, right? You can you can build a pipeline out of anywhere. Just it's a matter of time and energy and resources. So Yes. Yes. Uh, that's the best way of saying it. There you go. You know, it's I, I know we're running long on time, but it's interesting, Daryl, that you're you're talking about the counselor that you're working with so closely, because I know when we hired that person, uh, the perception was that they were very focused on the environmental mission and wouldn't. Be, yes. Wouldn't be great for athletics. Can you, <laughs> can you talk about how you got how you got past that and how you 
we're able to to find common common purpose i think that it just got to a point where um and this is before we had i i, I had the ability to really you know i was i was in a situation where we just got a part-time assistant and so for so long i mean i was recruiting all over the place and it would it just got to a point where you're getting pulled so many ways and then you got you know every high school coach believes you know they always hey, i love how a high school coach starts a conversation and says man i got this awesome kid she's six two and she can lay the ball up she can shoot the three and you're sitting here like okay the very fact that he hasn't said her gpa lets me know this is going to be a waste of time and so I'm like, where's the GPA? Oh, she's a good kid. You know, she's got a 2.1. And I'm like, you can get her in, right? And I'm like, uh, uh, no, I can't. You just wasted 10 minutes of my time. So, you know, I got a lot of calls like that because we was recruiting so much. And so I was like, you know what? We got to find a way that I can fine tune this because I'm trying to uh, teach this up my, my assistant how to recruit. And on the same half, I have to find a way to maximize my time. And so, you know, the goal was I didn't know it was going to turn out like this, but I was like, you know what? I need to figure out if I can connect with an admissions counselor and we can kind of work this together, figure out what area it was. I never came out and said, hey, you know, do you think we're going to work together, um, you know, as a, as, you know, as a pair trying to recruit kids? It really started as, you know, I would literally, I mean, this is just me. I'm, uh, this is how we do stuff down south. I just walk upstairs every once in a while, say hey to people, hello. If I see them, I'll, uh, you know, see how they're doing. And then as I deal with players, start to figure out what's their response to, you know, are they responding back to kids and this and that. And so this one particular person, Teach is not lying. I would have never guessed that this individual was going to be such a rock star. Um, I would ask questions like, hey, do you know if this person came through? Um, and she said, yep, I've already responded to him. And then I started realizing a theme. I was like, oh my gosh, she's on it. So once I figured out the connection that I had with her, I went all in on all, every state that she was working with. And that's just kind of how I started. It was kind of like, okay, I gotta find somebody I can connect with and slowly figure out, you know, will we mesh? And that's, and that's my experience as well. The coaches usually connect with the admissions counselors that are scrappy, right? Like the admissions counselors that are following up, they know their students, they respond immediately. And really in my experience, it comes down to quick communication, clear communication and utilizing the tools that they can get to the students directly. The admissions counselors that rely on, the what I call like they call the house communications that are all coming out of the CRM and they're not right. doing their own things and or they don't understand their either their territory, but more importantly, their students. Um, those are the ones that the coaches immediately kind of shy away from because that's not the style. I mean, I, yeah. I've certainly seen all styles with coaches, but the coaches that I've seen that are successful, regardless of the level, um, the division level are the ones that are scrappy. They always have that sense of urgency and they always know that they're trying to be on top of their students and they're available to their students. And I preach that quite a bit. I preach that in my career. Um, and those are the ones we try as directors, you know, VPs, whatever else, we're trying to make those connections to see if the styles match, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. 
Wow. Well, Daryl, thank you so much. This has been really helpful. It, you know, it sucks that we have to end the conversation here, but uh, I, I really thank you for your time. And we'll end up with just the, the final two questions we like to ask everybody. Daryl, what are you working on next? And how can folks get in touch with you if they want to follow up? Well, uh, I'm currently working on my doctorate. So uh, that is really, really uh, exhausting, but it's, it's very, it's been very beneficial and exciting. Also, we are working on, uh, me and three of my um, closest buddies, we are working on a podcast called Men in the Mix, uh, which is really focused on um, reaching out and talking to uh, men of color so we can show that black representation outside of the athletics, entertainment, and, um, and you know, industry. We, uh, we feel like sometimes that's the only thing that is really being shown as black representation on TV and social media. So we bring in a lot of speakers and we interview them and we just kind of ask what they're doing and kind of have a discussion. <laughs> That's great. Can you tell us the name of the podcast again? It's called men in the mix podcast. Uh, we are on Facebook right now. We have people that literally text me and say, you've had a men in the mix Facebook account. And uh, for the last five months, and nothing's been posted. And I have to keep telling them, you know what? Podcasting and recording and, and editing and figuring out the way we're going to do things take a lot longer than I assumed. I thought I was going to, we were just going to be able to step on and do our thing. And oh no, there's a lot more to it. <laughs> Daryl, here's, here's the secret. You got to get Tej. I know. I already Teach know. Is the I, energizer bunny. I'm texting my guys right now and letting them know. I think I have somebody that can help us. <laughs> <laughs> and Daryl, how, how can folks get in touch with you if they want to continue the conversation? You know, if they want to get in touch with me, they can reach me at my email. Uh, that is btucker at northland.edu. Uh, that's probably the easiest way to get in touch with me, especially if it's pertaining to uh, what we're talking about. Great. Daryl, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, Tiggy, another great extended cut from season two, and we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Tiggy, are you excited for season three? Niven already lining up guests, already writing down some questions. I am so excited for season three. I am as well. We're going to try to do some more spring topics. Uh, we're going to drop that here sometime in the spring. So make sure you stay tuned to season three. And thank you for listening to the Lunchcast and the J Term. As always, I'm Nathan. I'm Tej. And that was the Lunchcast. Thanks, folks. <laughs>
Yeah, that sounds like a blast. Again, 